Caden Co PR would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to the Press Office with Caden Copiar, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. I am so excited for this week's episode of The Press Office with Kate and Co PR because I am joined by a friend, fellow colleague and all-round PR go-getter, Rachel Collister. Rachel and I actually both started on the same day in 2019 at Kate and Co PR and one of her career goals from even back then was to transcend her public relations career across international borders and work in New York City. Flash forward four years and Rachel is now living that dream and has just landed a PR job in the world-famous concrete jungle. It wasn't easy or as glamorous as her Instagram often made it out to seem and today she shares with me exactly how she took her blossoming career in Melbourne to landing a job in New York City. If you are looking for a sea change or also are dreaming to live out your sex in the city fantasies, then this one is for you. Enough from me, let's get on to the interview. Hello, Rachel, and welcome to the press office. I'm very excited to chat to you today because I just mentioned offline, I've been obsessed with your journey from Melbourne to New York all over Instagram, and we have had the pleasure of working with each other for three years back at Kate & Co., I know. I Well, first off, thank you for having me, Marissa and Kate. I am probably the press officer's biggest fan. I listen to it every single week. And uh, we were just saying before, like this feels like a full circle moment for me and maybe for you as well. Like we started at Kate & Co on the exact same day, gosh, like early 2019. So I'm really thrilled to be here. I know we were little desk buddies for a while there. So that was nice. And I want to go right back to the start here. Can you tell me about how you first started your career in public relations? Yes. So I, I mean, to go, you know, back to the early uni days, I, you know, was your classic girl who finished high school and had no idea what she wanted to do and, you know, what my career would look like in five years. So like anyone in that position, I did an arts degree. I loved it. You know, I did a semester abroad. I made some great friends. During that time, I realized because I was majoring in history and international relations, which are two loves of mine and passions, but I'm like, this isn't where I see myself working. I'd always loved fashion. You know, I just, I loved the industry. I loved clothes. I loved everything about it. So during my undergrad, I started interning at every, you know, fashion house, agency, major runway show I could. I I knew I wanted to work in fashion, but I just didn't know at that time 
which area of fashion. So, you know, I flew myself up to Fashion Week. I interned at what was then Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. I flew myself to Adelaide to intern at, yeah, Australian Fashion Labels, I think it was called, which, you know, housed Cameo Collective and Keepsake. So I did every single unpaid internship under the sun. And it actually was that internship at Australian Fashion Labels where I got to work with the amazing Lauren, actually, who led up the PR team. I mean, I think Gigi Hatsis, who you used to work with, I think, was also there at that time. And I was like, this is it. Like I fashion PR, fashion marketing, like this is my jam. You know, I loved managing the showroom. I just listened to the Twice Plus interview and I actually met the Twice Plus girls like in that showroom. So that's where I was like, yep, this is for me. I This is what I have to do. So given that I didn't really have any formal education or sort of like a way to get in, I was like, I'm going to do a master's in marketing, which I loved. I don't regret in hindsight, probably didn't need it. It's it's never come up in any sort of job interview or anything. But it was during that time where I actually landed my first job working in-house at a fashion label called Unreal Fur. I was their marketing PR manager, but I just realized like in-house just wasn't for me. And it was during that uh, 18 months I worked there where I was like, not agencies where I've got to be at, whether it's fashion, whether it's lifestyle, travel, whatever. I knew that there were three agencies and I'm sure any publicist in Melbourne knows the three agencies I'm talking about. It was AMPR, One Two or Kate & Co PR. I, Kate & Co was number one for me. I just feel like it aligned so much with my personality and, and, and my vision and my values. So like when I got that job, I'll never forget where I was. I screamed and I've never looked back. I love it. It's so funny that you mentioned, you know, the three Melbourne agencies because I was the exact same. Kate and Copia was number one on my list and I remember crying when I got that job. And I think my job was actually like three years in the making. Like I met Kate when I first finished uni and she's like, you just need some PR agency experience. And I went and got it. And I literally hassled Kate every, every week for like months on end. And I think your story is really true to that too. Like you were such a hustler. You still are, but you were applying yourself to intern at Fashion Weeks because you were so passionate about it. Yeah. And like I was thinking before, you know, I I was broke. Like I remember I must have just come home from, I did a semester abroad in the States in 2015, which was one of the best experiences I ever did in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I remember getting home in like December and I would have had like, six dollars in my bank account and I remember getting like this opportunity to go to Adelaide to intern at AFL and of course I was going to say yes but I I had no money I remember having to like loan money from my brothers (laughs) and I was staying in this like fifty dollar a night like terrible Airbnb but you know I it was so what I wanted to do like I knew exactly where I wanted my career to go I knew what I had to do to get there and you know yeah if I had to have two minute noodles for, for every, I'm not condoning that, but I, I was going to do, I, I did anything to, to get that experience and to get my foot in the door. And I'll never forget walking into Kate and Co PR that first time. Kate Keane and Kate Evans, who's another amazing mentor to me, interviewed me. And I remember just walking out, just like praying, just being like, please give me a chance. Please give me this job. And actually on my last day, when I left Kate and Co, I I thanked Kate because all I wanted was for someone to take the chance on me because I knew that I would I would prove it. So thank you, Kate, for taking that chance on me four years ago. 
You certainly did prove it. And now you have taken your epic career all the way from Melbourne to New York City, which I am sure is kind of a pipe dream for many publicists out there. I know, I already know the answer to this question knowing you personally, but did you always want to move to New York to pursue a PR career there? And and why was that a dream of yours? I did, Marissa. It's funny when I when I finally did move, so many people were like, you know, even people like that I barely know or sort of have just crossed paths with messaged me saying, I remember you telling me this like seven years ago. Like, I'm so happy that you've finally done it. But I mean, living in New York was always the dream. You know, I, I went to New York for the first time with my family when I graduated high school. And I mean, I'm all, I'd always been obsessed with the city. Like, you know, if you're a pop culture girly, like we are, you know, you grow up watching the film set in New York and you just have this like love affair with the city. And it wasn't until I came here for the first time in 2012 where I was like, no, nah, I, I have to move here at some point in my life. I have to work here. I have to have that experience. And then obviously like, as I started my career and, you know, became a publicist, I was like, well, what could be better? Like, being a publicist in like the Big Apple, you know, like you watch Sex and the City, you watch Samantha, you know, you think it's like, you know, it, it just seems like this really cool, you know, glamorous, amazing experience. So yes, it's it's been a dream for 10 years, it really came to fruition, I suppose, like the last couple of years, I was planning on moving and then COVID happened and, you know, life gets in the way. And yeah, when I finally just said to my partner, look, we're going, it's now or never. So yeah, it's, it's, it still feels surreal. Like I, when I walk to work or commute to work, I just like look around me and I'm like, I can't believe I'm actually here and I'm finally doing it because it, it feels like forever in the making. I'm so proud of you too, because COVID has stopped a lot of people's plans to move overseas, especially like in the age group that we're kind of at. It's like, oh, okay, like, are you going to get settled down or are you going to keep, you know, pushing your career path? So it's so amazing that you're doing what you've always wanted to do. Yeah. And I, to your point, there's, I have a couple of friends who, you know, got into long-term relationships during COVID or just sort of, you know, life happened during the the two to three years that COVID was happening and we were in lockdown. I mean, ideally, COVID was the perfect time to go. But, you know, I mean, if you if you really want to do something, you make it happen. And I think, you know, luckily, I was in a very long term relationship. And I basically (laughs) forced him to come. There was there was no other option. But yeah, no, I just bit the bullet and did it. So how long have you been there now? Three months. I've already three been here months, for three wow. months. Yeah, <laughs> I know. See, t- time flies. Yeah, I think I celebrated my three-year anniversary in the city about a week ago. How are you finding it? It's, I mean, I, I'm loving it. Like, it's, it's been such a whirlwind of an experience. You know, I was saying to you before, like, I obviously have only showed the positive, really fun, amazing parts on social media. Don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of I'm not going to say tears. I don't think I've cried, but you know, it's, it's one of the, actually, I'm, I'm going to say it's probably the most difficult thing I've, I've ever had to do. You know, you're, you're dealing with, you know, not only an entirely new city, but you know, in just the job interview process and the visa process and, you know, just finding your feet and finding friends. And it's, 
is truly the most like overwhelming experience. But if you go into it knowing it's going to be intense, it's going to be hard, but the rewards reap, you know, the bad parts. Like you just, you sort of take everything in your stride. There's actually a, I don't think she coined this phrase, but um, I've followed Michelle Battersby's journey with Sunroom for, for a while. And I think she got like, neon lights or like a sign printed for her office that said it's great for the plot or something like that and I just think anytime something goes wrong or something's just so difficult or funny or I'm just like it just it's all part of the plot like it's all meant to happen and I was going to ask you all about how you have secured so you've secured a new job at Rachel Harrison Communications and I'll touch on that shortly but how did you get here? How hard was it, you know, going through the interview process, getting that visa offline? I was like, you've got the job, like that's the hardest part. How much did you struggle with that process? So I probably also chose the most difficult way to do it. You know, I I quit my job, I packed up my life and I moved over here without a job lined up. And for anyone who's traveled to the States as a tourist, you know that you enter on an ESTA visa, which is 90 days. So basically I had 90 days to find a job. And if at the end of the 90 days, I didn't have a job, I was, I was coming home. So I gave myself a week's grace where I was just purely a tourist. You know, I caught up with friends. I visited, visited all the major sites. And then after that week, it was down and dirty. I was applying for dozens of jobs every single day. It took a, you know, a decent few weeks to start seeing traction and to actually find some recruiters who, you know, specialized in PR and, you know, were actually putting me forward for roles that was roles and companies that I was interested in. The main challenge that I kept coming up actually there were two main challenges. First is Media contacts matter so much here. I'm not saying that, you know, your relationships and networks are important. But for me as a publicist, I've always found that you can make relationships, you know. I mean, journalists come and go. Like you can establish a relationship with an editor who's been in that post for 10 years and then they go and someone else comes in you know I think what's more important as a publicist is being a great writer knowing how to pitch knowing how to find that angle and being a hustler but I literally had job interviews here where like literally the first question after hi how are you was list your media contacts in New York go I kid you not Marissa I live thank god it was a phone conversation I broke out in hives it was it was so intense and so intimidating but I mean I anticipated that I would be asked that question but I think I was probably naive about at how important it was especially coming in you know I'm not entry level I've got six years experience in PR I was looking at those mid-level positions where you know, those relationships and existing network is really important. So that was a really challenging thing to overcome. You know, I, I did my research, you know, I came prepared, I had lists of the publications, I, I researched editors and journalists so that I could, you know, list them and, and, and seem knowledgeable. And, you know, luckily I did have a couple of clients at Kate & Co, in particular a hotel client where I had pitched to international media. So, you know, it was, it, I'm not going to lie, that was very, very difficult. The other thing 
that is incredibly difficult is the visa question. You know, you're not only competing against, you know, yourself and trying to sell yourself, but you're also competing against Americans who have the right to work. And, you know, they, if they get offered the job, they can start on Monday. So I think what's really difficult is it seems as though no hiring managers or many companies know the type of visa that I'm on. It's called the E3 visa. It's essentially because America and Australia have such a great diplomatic relationship. They created this visa. I think they give out about 10,500 a year and they never even fill 50% of that quota. But it's literally the simplest, easiest visa. It's a non immigration visa. The company doesn't have to sponsor you. It doesn't come at any cost to the employer. It's literally like the simplest visa ever, but because they don't know and knows about it and they hear visa, they think sponsorship and they get freaked out and they just shut down that conversation. Like in the early days, I was very upfront about the fact that I needed a visa. And then I got to the point where I just sort of stopped mentioning it because once it's it's sort of like a chicken and egg situation too because that a lot of times you'll go through the interview process or the application process and let's say do you have the right to work in America and it's like well no but if you offer me the job then I do so it was like it's it was a balancing act of just trying to like navigate those conversations and you know not hiding the fact that you needed a visa but also not telling them too much information about it where they would like get get freaked out and just be like I'm going to put you in the too hard basket thank you sorry next so yeah I I will say finding the job hunting process was was brutal it was it was soul destroying at times I mean granted I've only had two previous positions in my life but so I you know I can't speak entirely to interview processes like at Kate and Co it was fairly straightforward I think I had one in-person interview and that was it but the process here also is so much longer every single company I interviewed at was minimum five rounds of interviews like at Rachel Harrison I think I spoke with four or five different people the interview process took a month you know I had to do a writing task as well for Rachel Harrison Um, a lot of agencies that I interviewed at made me submit like full PR strategies, like full like PR plans to like progress to the next round. So again, that might just be, I'd never sort of interviewed at this like, you know, mid-level position, but it's, it's really, it's intense. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. There was certainly times where I just like hung up the phone and just like put my head in my hands and I was just like, Oh, good. But yeah, I mean, Luckily, I, I, I found an amazing position at a you know at a, an amazing agency. But yeah, I mean it 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 took a lot, and I you have to be your biggest advocate. You know, like even at Rachel Harrison, the fact that I didn't have a strong media network in New York was an issue for them. But I basically went back to them, and I, I basically said the same thing that I said to Kate. I said, if you give me a chance, I will prove it to you. Like I take every single other box on this job description except the fact that I don't have you know a a black book full of contacts give me give me six months and I will I will build up that network so you know I did have to take a couple of positions down which I think also is another thing um 
for people to know if they're planning to move here at this level. You know, if you're entry level or you're an intern or an account coordinator, they're not going to expect you to have this level of contact. So, you know, but I think checking your ego at the door and, and being okay with the fact that, you know, you might have to take a pay cut, which I did, you know, sort of start at more of an entry level position, which I have and work your way up. But I know you, it will take you no time to work your way up. You will be proving everyone wrong. And I did want to ask you about that. You've said how much pressure there was as a publicist to have this black book of contacts in New York. How are you starting to build that network up? Yeah. So I, I mean, the exact same way that I did it at Kate & Co. Like when I started at Kate & Co, I was so green, a fresh publicist of the industry with, you know, barely a contact to my name, but you know, I'll, I'll do here what I did there. Just, you know, as you're pitching and having those conversations with journalists, building that trust and those relationships, you know, naturally and organically as you're having those conversations, Rachel Harrison, I know places a great focus on having those media meets in person, which again, I did at Kate and Co. You know, I was taking, not during COVID, but (laughs) taking journalists out for coffee or, you know, setting up Zoom meetings. So yeah, it'll, it'll take time as I find my feet in this new agency and in this new role. But the media market here is so much bigger than back home. Like there's just so many journalists and so many publications. So yeah, I'll just start networking my little heart out and leaning on my supervisors and colleagues and you know, tagging along to coffee dates or, um, yeah, just, just learning from them and that's all I can say. You will kill it. And so you've gone through all of these hurdles and you've finally landed a job. So you're a publicist at Rachel Harrison Communications. Do you mind touching on what your new role looks like? Yes. So, yeah, my role is publicist uh, at Rachel Harrison Communications. So, Rachel Harrison is a leading hospitality agency here in New York. In fact, I think they won the Hospitality PR Agency of the Year last year. They're a, a fairly large agency. That was another thing that I've had to really adjust to coming from Kate & Co., which is you know more of a boutique agency, is coming into a global agency. Like They've got their main office in New York, but they've got offices in LA and in London and outposts sort of in, in other cities around the world. They've got I'm going to say about 70 clients across spirits, travel, restaurants, hospitality. There's probably about 60-ish employees. So it's a a big change to what I was doing uh, at Kate & Co. Um, But yeah, I'm working in the spirits team, which is, again, something pretty new and pretty fresh for me. I've, you know, had the pleasure of working with brands like Penfolds in the past, but I haven't, you know, sort of my... uh, passion and expertise was always, you know, fashion and more lifestyle. So I'm stepping into new clients and I'm excited. It's, I mean, I've only been there for two weeks, but you know, the team is great. Rachel Harrison, the the principal and founder is incredible. I'm so excited to be working underneath her and then learning from her team. It helps that you have the same name too. Great for recognition there. (laughs) I know, I know. And do you know what? Like there's actually two other Rachels at the agency. But actually that's, we laugh about it. But when I was interviewing and speaking with, you know, people at Rachel Harrison when I was interviewing and they asked me like, what about Rachel Harrison appeals to you? And every time I said, don't laugh. But the fact that it's owned by someone called Rachel actually doesn't 
appeal to me. Like I don't, I mean, like it almost seemed like it was written in the stars or something, but I actually had this guy like connect with me on LinkedIn and he was like, I think he thinks I like run the company. (laughs) (laughs) So I faced Rachel and I'm just, he was like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to know more about what it's like to run your own company. I'm like, thanks for connecting. It's not mine, but yeah. It was kind of like when Kate Evans would come to meetings at Kate and Copiara and she's like, not that Kate. <laughs> I know. Or the opposite where she would just like not clarify. I loved that boss movie where she'd be like, I'm Kate. <laughs> loved it. <laughs> exactly. And you're very early into your job. So please don't feel like you need to answer these questions. But have you found any kind of key differences so far between you know, the New York public relations scene compared to Melbourne? I think for me, as I said before, the main difference is just the size of the media market. You know, like it's not only am I pitching to New York journalists, you're thinking nationally and also Rachel Harrison has client, international clients. So it's it's getting to know who's who in the zoo, you know, like there's probably thousands of publications there's so many journalists that to me was a little bit overwhelming like even today in the office I was pulling together a pitch list and I had to pull together a target list of like a hundred journalists and I was like oh god I was like I don't I was like a hundred like surely there's there's so so many you know like if at back at Kate and Co you know or just you know an agency in Australia or Melbourne you were asked to pull together a a targeted pitch list of 100 journalists you'd be like there's not 100 journalists so yeah I think yeah like you said before I'm so fresh into this role and into being a publicist in the city but yeah I think that's probably the biggest learning curve and it will probably take me months and months and months just because there's so many yeah and just yeah knowing knowing who to pitch to. And going back to, you know, finding that job initially, and I think you're someone, you're probably the best person to ask this question for, because I feel like you're the queen of personal branding. How important was that for you to actually find your job? And how important do you think it is for publicists in general? I loved this question when you sent it over and it actually got me, it really got me thinking. And I I spent a lot of time actually thinking about what my personal brand is and how important that is to me. You know, I take immense pride with how I represent myself and present myself. And I take great pride in what my colleagues and clients, you know, think of me. And that doesn't just extend to my professional life, but into my personal life. Like I deeply care about, you know, what my friends and family and the the important people in my life think about me and when I was trying to think of what's important to me and my brand it's knowing what values you stand for and for me it's to always remain authentic and to always operate with integrity you know a a lot of I feel like a lot of PR is you know maybe people think it's just a lot of fluff and a lot of words and I I've always tried to stay true and and yeah, just just try to be authentic in everything I do and be trustworthy and, you know, to develop that trust with your clients, I think is so important. You know, there's, especially in PR, like, you know, you can, you can promise the world, you can promise the front cover of Vogue, you know, but I think it's one thing that I've always prided myself on is, 
is being honest and trustworthy. And, and I, you know, this also might sound a little bit like superficial, but, you know, from someone who loves fashion and, you know, has, has worked in fashion PR and worked with fashion clients. Like I, I care about how I present myself. And for me personally, I, I take great pride in how I look and how I dress. And, you know, that was something I was thinking about before when you sent me that question as well. Like my first day in the office at Rachel Harrison Communications. I mean, I don't, I don't care if I'm overdressed, but I was so overdressed. Like, <laughs> like I, I put an Instagram post up, like I was wearing like a white blouse with my trademark puffy sleeve, like an Oriton skirt and heels. And I walked into the office and everyone was just like no makeup, you know, t-shirts and jeans, like looking professional, but very dressed down. And I mean, there was a beat where I was like, oh my God, like, fuck, like <laughs> I look ridiculous. But then, but like, to me, I'm like, but no, like this is, this is how I like to present myself and this is my personal brand. And, you know, obviously I'm deeper than just how I, what clothes I put on my back, but it's, it's just as simple as that, you know, like it's how, how you present yourself to the outward world is, is so important. I have to say, I was thinking about you and I was like, your poor feet, because I remember you would come into the Melbourne office in these like sky high, most amazing shoes. You've got the most amazing shoe collection out of anyone I know. And I would always be in sneakers and I'm like, how are you walking to and from the station in those shoes? And then I'm like, my God, the poor girl's walking all over New York with her sky high heels. I can tell you something, Marissa, Carrie Bradshaw lied to us all for years. No one in New York City wears high heels. Nobody. And yet, you, you know me, I'm such a heely girl. I love wearing my heels. I never wear high heels in the city because it's, I mean, it's such a commuter city. Like to get around, you're always on the subway. Like my commute at the moment is is about 30 minutes. I have a long way to walk. Like I'm wearing New Balance sneakers today, which, you know, they're still fashionable. Um, but no, no one wears heels in the city. So it, it's, it's literally something that I've had to, to, to give up unless I'm one of those girls who like wears her backpack and like carries her like, you know, heels in the bag. Heels to change into. Yeah. Yeah. I might have to be one of them, but, but yeah, now nah, I'll, I'll always be like that inner that inner Carrie Bradshaw, but the heels have definitely, I've got a, like a suitcase full of heels that are just like not being worn at all. <laughs> I was going to ask how many pairs of shoes did you bring with you? I brought so many. Um, gosh, <laughs> I reckon I brought at least 15 pairs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Stupid, stupid. Yep. Oh, well, but then again, and it's part of my personal brand risk, so I have to bring the heels. <laughs> exactly, but you might be buying some more sneakers by the sounds of it. I actually, I mean, I've, there's three in my shopping cart at the moment. Like, I, I have to buy some fashionable sneakers because apparently that's all I'm going to be wearing. <laughs> <laughs> so besides from, you know, changing shoes, which I am sure is very, very stressful for you, but moving cities is both personally and professionally draining and very very stressful how did you manage to kind of get through this time did you have any coping mechanisms and how have you found finding that work-life balance during this transition so I'm very very lucky that I have a very supportive partner who's going through this journey with me Uh, I hands my heart could not have done this alone it's 
you know, I've, I've had someone by my side doing the exact same thing and going through the exact same thing that I'm going through. I'm also very, very lucky that two of my best friends from high school moved to New York last year. So, you know, having that connection to home and having two of my closest girlfriends in the city who have, you know, one's been here for over a year, the other almost a year. So they were able to give me tips on, you know, not only, you know, like the best bars in the city, but, you know, like how to apply for a social security number. And, you know, I'm currently apartment hunting and that's a whole other beast. And, you know, they've gone through that before. So I honestly don't know how anyone could do this alone. Even just, I mean, there's so many great resources that I found, you know, there's, there's Facebook groups, there's websites that, you know, detail and answer all the, all the a million questions that you have. But yeah, I think for me, it's been having that support network and, you know, I'm very close with my family. So, you know, constantly texting them and calling them and FaceTiming them. But I mean, it's also, you know, because this is something that I've, that I've wanted to do for most of my life. Like failure just wasn't an option for me. I was lucky enough to have coffee with actually a girl who went to my high school. She was a few years above me. So like we weren't friendly in high school, but she's a publicist in the city. She's lived here for 10 years and she works in like luxury travel PR. Like she does the PR for like Richard Branson's hotels and like she's incredible. So I, I had coffee with her and she said something to me that's just like stuck in my head ever since she said it. And she said, if this city doesn't want you to be here, you won't be here. Like, you know, you'll have a bad boy. I mean, not in my case, but you'll have a bad boyfriend or a bad job or a bad apartment. Like if the city doesn't want you here, it'll kick you out. But if it wants you here, you, you'll be here. And I just, you know, for me, I was like, this dream city of mine can't kick me out. I cannot go home. It cannot throw me to the curb. So I think for me, it was it's it was also that just pure grit and determination that that got me through. You know, every rejection or just you know difficult moment, I was like, this is what I'm here. Like this is my destiny. Like I have to be here. So yeah, I think luckily I had a great support network and just like pure determination. That's so nice that that woman from your high school like took you out and gave you advice and, you know, throwing it over to you now, what advice would you give to someone who's sitting at home listening to this podcast going, I want to move to New York, I want to do this? On a logistic level, I mean, do your research, obviously, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like do your research into, you know, what agencies you might want to work at, you know, I... I spent the months leading up to moving here, yeah, sort of seeing what the landscape was like, you know, what type of agencies, you know, obviously researching the visa process and what that would be like. So, you know, if if you follow the same route that I do, which was to come to the city without a job and to interview here, do as much legwork and groundwork as you can back home and actually I mean one of the reasons why I waited to start applying until I got to New York was I thought that all of my interviews were going to be in person I didn't have a single in-person interview I reckon I would have had like 30 plus interviews they were all zoom or a phone call so like you know I probably could have started laying the groundwork before I before I left, you know, seeding out my resume, finding recruiters, 
I probably could have done more of that in hindsight, but I mean, hindsight's 2020. But actually, I have one amazing piece of advice that probably sounds very boring, but LinkedIn Premium will be your best friend. I think it costs about $40 a month, but through LinkedIn Premium, you are more visible to potential recruiters and employers. There's a great tool through LinkedIn Premium where if you apply for a job through LinkedIn, you can then directly message like the hiring manager or the recruiter through LinkedIn. I don't think that's a feature if you don't pay for premium, but like every single job that I applied for, I applied for through LinkedIn premium. And as soon as I applied for a job, I directly messaged the hiring manager, you know, just saying, Hey, applied for the job, blah, blah, blah. Would, you know, love to schedule an interview. Nine times out of 10, that actually led to an interview. So LinkedIn premium is, is, is a godsend. If you are here and you are actively looking, most jobs would be posted through LinkedIn premium. I spent many an hour on that platform and it's definitely what got me. I mean, that's how I found the recruiter that put me in touch with Rachel Harrison. So yeah, LinkedIn premium people get on it. There you go. Are you still on LinkedIn Premium or now you're like not paying that $40 subscription? <laughs> uh, literally, as soon as I got the job offer and I signed the contract, cancelled because, <laughs> because the, I mean, the tools that I needed was to find the job. And once I got the job, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, at the, and also at the time, I could not afford an extra $40 a month. I will actually, another piece of advice which is more of a logistic thing but and probably sounds very obvious, but make sure you save a lot of money. It'll be about four months until I get my first, as in from the day that I landed and the day that I get my first paycheck will be about four months with no wow. income in the most expensive city in the world. I probably budgeted perfectly for two two and a half months but the last the last month has been the most expensive because I mean going back to the whole visa process once you get offered the job you know the visa is not an issue for them you go through the process you actually have to leave the country to get your visa processed so you, you cannot process your e3 visa in America so you know that's flights that was two weeks of accommodation in London you know it's once you get the job it's incredible but it's not like you start earning money like the next day so I just just make sure that you have a nice little nest egg and you save a lot of money I mean to do that I lived with my parents and my partner's parents for 15 months before I moved just so I could save a lot of money so just yeah just make sure you have some cash (laughs) and enough cash that you can that you can you know do fun things and, you know, be a tourist and go out to bars and, you know, all all those fun things. But I think, yeah, that's in, again, in hindsight, I wish I'd saved just like a little bit more money because it's definitely, it's been a bit tight. (laughs) (laughs) That is great advice. Uh, Before we go into the quick fire questions, I did want to ask you this question and it might help people who still don't know what, what career path they want to choose. After all these years in the industry, why do you still love public relations? 
Why do I love it? Because nothing beats the thrill of securing coverage for your client. Like there's, it's, it's honestly addictive. Like, you know, you can be working on a, you know, chatting with a journalist for months and months and months. And, you know, finally when that story lands, you know, and it gets like a front page cover, it's, there's just nothing that's more thrilling because, you know, we, you know, as publicists, we work in editorial land, like nothing's ever guaranteed, you know, you can be best friends with a journalist, you know, you can have a great story, you can have an amazing client, but nothing's ever guaranteed. And so when you finally see your, your client in print or, you know, online or, you know, on TV, it's, it's honestly like a drug, like it's so addictive. I mean, on the other side of that, that thrill is just so fleeting, you know, like it's like you wake up, you flick to page three of the Herald Sun and you've got, you know, an amazing pickup and it's like an hour later, you're like, right, what's next? You know, it's, it's so addictive, but you know, it's, it's just so exciting every single time. And I also working at Kate and Co, I was so lucky to work with clients for an extended period of time. Like I worked with a lot of clients, especially on the fashion side for three plus years. And, you know, you, you sort of, you grow with that company and you're part of their wins and you're, you're a part of their successes. And, you know, you truly are an extension of that brand and that team. And, you know, I genuinely care about the success of the clients that I work with, which I think is really important because, you know, you're, you have to care in order to, I think, have that passion to get up every single day and work in an industry which, don't get me wrong, is glamorous and amazing and so fun when you get to work, you know, incredible events. But it, it can be tough, you know, the hours can be long. You know, you can send out 100 pitches and you get a response for zero of them. Like, you know, you, you need to have a thick skin, you need to have that passion. But if you've got it and you love it, it's just such a great industry. Like I... I I can't see myself leaving this industry anytime soon. I can't see you leaving either. I feel like you have found your perfect career path. And I have to say, I cannot wait to see more of your Instagram photos because it just looks incredible, your whole trip and your whole stay there. So I wish you all, all of the best. Thanks, Maria. When I was a little baby in uni and, you know, wanted to go into VR, I, I, I wish there was resources like this that, um, you know, I had available to me. So, you know, any, any listeners slide into my DMs, LinkedIn DM or my, on my Instagram DM, you know, I, so many people have helped me in this journey while I've been here. So yeah, if anyone has any questions or wants me to expand on any points, especially the bloody visa process, please don't hesitate to reach out. I would love to pay it forward and help someone else. Well, before you go, I have five quick fire questions for you, which I'm sure you've heard about hundreds of times by by now. I have. Go for it, Marissa. I'm so ready. Okay. First one, what is your favorite PR event ever? Okay. I'm going to be cheeky and I have to do two because I could not I couldn't split the two, but I'll be quick. They both actually were at Carriage Works. The first was working with the incredible Penfolds team for their Venture Beyond event 
last year. Kate and Co worked on the guest list and media relations for this event. Penfolds were launching their global thematic, which was Venture Beyond, and they also launched their 2022 collection. But I mean, Penfolds are such a progressive, just incredible brand. Like the event had an astronaut hanging down from the ceiling. Like it was, the event was like a foam moonscape. Like all of the waiters and wait staff were dressed in boiler suits that looked like astronauts. Like the food looked like, like the the chef that they got made desserts that like looked like little planets. You know, they engaged, you know, their Penfolds ambassadors and friends of the brand. It honestly was the most incredible event just from like the production and how it looked, which was just amazing. And the second one, just because I have to talk about, you know, one of my fashion clients was again last year at Afterpay Australia Fashion Week, we worked on the Adaptive Clothing Collective show it was the first time that Sydney Fashion Week had ever had a runway dedicated solely to designers that made clothing for people living with a disability. You know, not only was it from a PR perspective amazing because there was so much talkability, you know, it was the first time they'd ever done it. Um, you know, we got coverage on every major broadcast, print, online, you name it. But I'll never forget sitting front row at the show and just the standing ovation, the tears, just like the emotions in the room. Like you just can't fake, you can't fake that. Like that goes beyond just, you know, working for an, you know, an amazing brand and and doing the publicity. It was, it was incredible. So yeah, maybe there's something to do with carriage works. I don't know, but those two are hard to beat. That one gives me goosebumps. I remember seeing that everywhere. So you did an awesome job with that one. Okay, next question. Favorite podcast apart from this one, of course. Of course. Um, this one's a, this one's a little niche because actually, I will. I wasn't lying before when I said I'm the press officers like one of their biggest fans. There's only two podcasts that I religiously listen to every single week, like the day that it comes out. So I'm a huge fan of the television show The Office, the American version. And there's a podcast called Office Ladies, which is co-hosted by Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, who played Pam and Angela on the show. It's been going on for years and years and years. They basically just watch every single episode of The Office and just talk about (laughs) what happened. And I just, because they're best friends in, in real life, like they're the chemistry that they have and they, I mean, they've had every single guest style, like, you know, Steve Carell and John Krasinski. Like, it's just like, if you're a fan of The Office, get on The Office Ladies. It's, it's amazing. (laughs) What is your favorite social media platform? I mean, Instagram has my heart, but I definitely spend way more time scrolling on TikTok these days. Like, it's just, it's a time warp TikTok. You know, I love it. I can just spend hours. You should make some TikToks. I follow I follow this girl who's moved from Australia to New York and she talks about like her day in her life, like as an Australian in New York. And I find it so fascinating. That could be you. It could be me, but do you, I already had a whinge this week about threads. Like I just, <laughs> I just, I just cannot like, I'm fine with just posting a few pretty pictures on Instagram. Like I'm just... It's too much energy, you know. I'm, I'm, I love your TikTok so much. They make me laugh when I'm scrolling, but I'm just, I can't do it. I can't make content. <laughs> I'm the same though too. I'll like post every day for a week and then I won't post for like months on end. It's too time consuming. It's too much, yeah. Okay, what is your most visited website? 
I mean, it has to be LinkedIn. Like I have spent hours and hours and hours on LinkedIn. I hope from now that'll change now that I have a job. But for the last three months, honestly, I spent my whole day on LinkedIn. You, this this podcast should be sponsored by LinkedIn Premium, I think. It honestly, it honestly I mean, I'm, I'm their biggest advocate. I love it. Uh, and my last question for you, what is your screen time? Okay, I was looking forward to this question because I noticed that everyone in this podcast is just like weirdly embarrassed to say. I have no shame in saying that my screen time is over five hours. Like, that's not that bad though. That's fine. No. Nah. No, I know. I love um, to shout out Astrid, who's a who's a previous client. When she said one hour, I was like, are you joking? <laughs> I feel like some people just don't know, though, so they just kind of make it up. <laughs> I know. I mean, I love you, Astrid. I'm not having a dig at you. But, yeah, no, nah, five hours, no shame in the game. You know, I've, I've got to keep up with what people are doing. And, you know, now that I'm overseas, like I've got to, yeah, it's just got to keep up with everyone. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Rachel. This has been such an insightful chat and I'm sure anyone who is wanting to move to New York has a lot to think about now. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.